Hello, listeners. This is Marcia Epstein, and this is April 30th, 2018, which means we are recording on the last day of 2018's USA National Poetry Month. That's pretty special to me. And in fact, the guest that I'm talking with is very much connected to me and my journey into poetry. So this is a special treat to be able to record with this person on this particular day. So I'm excited about that. I am in Lawrence, Kansas. My guest has been in Lincoln and Omaha, Nebraska during the time that I have known him. So from my perspective, this is the first out of the immediate area poet that I connected with in an ongoing way. And, and in that ongoing way where this person has become, and I have become with this person, part of this network of family, friends. And that's really something I cherish because not everybody gets into that circle. It takes some magic. <laughs> and I have to give a shout out to Rhonda Miller, who is an amazing person and writer and Rhonda Miller is the one who connected the two of us, me and the person who is as yet unnamed. <laughs> Little teaser here. You can hear some laughing in the background, but you don't know what we're talking about. So thank you, Rhonda Miller. We love you dearly for so, so many reasons about who you are as a person. And listeners, the person I am introducing you to for this hour of talk with me is my dear friend, C. Luth. Hi, good morning or good afternoon or whatever. If only you were here and we could have that. Let's fix breakfast and talk about serious shit. But we didn't. Oh, no doubt. (laughs) (laughs) So, so see, I was thinking about, okay, so I was invited by Jay Walks and Daniel Smith and Kim Murphy to start a podcast, a radio show at a time in my life that was really troubled time. Big loss had just happened, big changes, lots of having to say, some people are super mean and dishonest and all kinds of things are going on. And they said, we need you to do this thing. We need you to do this thing. And so I say they invited, they did kind of pressure me, but it was, it's turned out to be a wonderful adventure. And Daniel Smith and I have been with this whole adventure from the get-go. He's always produced the show, which is a cool thing. That first episode was December 26, 2013, a long time ago. Anyway, I started doing this show with kind of a topical format related to things um, that, that I talk about with people and work with people in my social work. And quickly, as I was having guests join me for topics, and I started having a few people who were from the local Lawrence art scene, I, I started hearing this thing from people that that their art saved their lives. And, and, it, and I heard these things. I was looking at spoken word poetry. I think probably the first poem was one by um, Canadian poet Shane Coyson. It's like, mm-hmm. this current, current poetry stuff is so much like what I'm doing and hearing and working with people in, in their personal lives. This is amazing. This is astounding. Poets are my people, just like this whole community of people working nationally to re- reduce suicide risk by helping people have better lives. I mean, there's so much in common. And so I got this grand idea that, you know, see, let's start. <laughs> a poetry slam in Lawrence, Kansas, because that's not happening. Well, people, I didn't ever have any experience. I've never even been to a poetry slam. So I'm reading online and I'm talking to people and Rhonda Miller and Lori Tapahanzo said, yeah, let's do this thing. And Rhonda connected me to C. Loof. And C, who had, as it turned out, never even yet been in a room with Rhonda, but they had connected. C became this source of information, suggestion, never like you must do it this way, but these are some things that sometimes are done. This might be helpful for you. So helped me know what to do as best anybody could so that we could have a pretty smooth flowing evening of slam poetry that had also some readings by other poets in between, people who didn't want to compete but wanted to share the poetry. It was this awesome gathering at the Eldridge Hotel in Lawrence, Kansas, this historic hotel, this event that brought together 
poets and audience members, but particularly poets who had never been in the room together. It's really cool. And so, see, Loof, you generously drove down and brought friends Tracy Schacht and Arden Eli Hill to do this thing in Lawrence, Kansas. And wow, it was wonderful, and you are wonderful. And so you have been part of all of this thing of me really connecting with art and poetry. And now, really, almost all of Talk With Me podcasts are with poets who are across the USA even beyond. Um, and it's a wonderful adventure. So I thank you for that. Gosh, you're welcome. But I didn't realize it was that long ago. Yeah, it was. The The slam was May 2014. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So it's amazing I've the left... trouble that I caused, huh? <laughs> <laughs> the joy. I have... <laughs> Words save lives. You, you know, you, you popped down to, to Lawrence. You were instrumental in that Midwest Suicide Prevention Conference with the Words Save Lives presentation and poets from other areas coming down. Stacy mm-hmm. Harper Bennett, you you identified her as a possibility. You helped me get her. So so it's like you you have been an amazing part of this journey that crosses, as I say, that that intersection of art and mental health with me. So. Awesome stuff. So I'm blab, 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 and I want people to hear a little bit from you about who you are. They know that I adore you. What would you like to say about that? No, what would you like to say about you? <laughs> I would say you have strange tastes, but you know, that's just me. Um, <laughs> first of all, thank you for having me, you and Daniel both. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I just have my, I, I'm, I'm communicable, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like contagious? <laughs> Uh huh. <laughs> exactly. Um, infectious. Uh, it's up to you to decide if it's a good disease or a bad one. Um, I I just like I just like connecting people. Um, mm-hmm. I I just like connecting people. Um, if there's if there's uh, if there's a way that I can complete this sentence, that would be good. Um, if there's someone that could could help with someone else, then and and I know them both, and I I just like to join them. Um, I like I like connecting undone undone knots, I suppose, or knotting undone strings. I don't know. Um, it it's just kind of a, a hobby of mine to be of service, and um, um, I I seem to know a lot of different people from a lot of different circles that intersect. Uh-huh. Um, and and I have a talent of being able to get along with a lot of different ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to a Republican ex-attorney, um, attorney general, and a uh, adult entertainer at the same time once. <laughs> awesome. Unbeknownst to each other. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was just thinking in my head, only only me uh-huh. <laughs> would this be happening to. Um, but but that happens all, all the time. Um, and I, I am neither a Republican or an adult entertainer, but I, I happen just to happen to know them both. And um, that just happens a lot to me where I, I just I just know a wide variety of individuals and and um, just have a, a talent of being able to, to connect the right cogs and the right gears. And um, yeah, so I do that. <laughs> yeah, that, and see, that's a very good thing. And to me, that's something that I value, I do, I admire. And it's those, when I even get back to the poets that I've met, it's those who have that strong um, characteristic of, of connecting people, of, of uplifting other people. Um, those are the ones I'm really drawn to. And I realize there's a certain amount of self-promotion that happens in order for people to to bring attention to their work so it can be shared and i'm not i'm not dismissing that and i am the 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 broken record of by the books folks um but i but i don't like when it seems as though this person is only about themselves and, and mm. really doesn't that's when that. i don't that's i don't do that well i don't self-promote very uh-huh. well at all um which is why my royalty check today was probably thirty bucks, but um, but I'm really good at self-promoting others. Um, I, I, I edit folks' work for free, and and I coach poets and things like that. But mm-hmm. but promoting myself is 
probably the worst thing that I do. Um, but I'm, but I'm blessed. I mean, I, I give out and I get back and, um, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's good, but yeah, self, self promoting is something I need to work on, but <laughs> I, I get off on promoting others. Uh huh. I think it's a good thing. So there, whatever that's worth, I think it's a very good thing. I think it's yeah. important to, to really bring our compassion and caring to others. And so that's, that means a lot to me. And, so I, you know, I think about, you know, again, back, back in that early part of 2014, you were there generously sharing you, you, that you even brought friends down, um, for that slam, you know, and then the connection has grown and, and unfortunately Rhonda was ill the night of that slam. So she did mm-hmm. not get the chance for you two to meet that particular time. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Lots has happened. I, I, can't, I also think about Topher Anna King and Melody Alexander and their lovely little Jack who joined sister Francesca. You know, mm-hmm. Things are happening. <laughs> yeah. I ended up hosting Topher that next year. Uh huh. For a couple of days, he came up to Lincoln and, and slammed at my slam that that next year. Uh-huh. That was fun. He got to meet my little one. Yeah, so good stuff. Very good stuff. Good people. That's the cool thing. And and so you you have a lot of life experiences. You know, one of the things I I didn't share, but I I would because this is I will because this is important to me. You shared your story on Live Through This Award, and that mm-hmm. was. And that also um, you and Desiree stage connected at that Midwest Suicide Prevention Conference. You were generous mm-hmm. about sharing your story, and that that is something that's a huge gift of a different kind um, to to tell your story for somebody else to write up and and photograph, and for people to have that opportunity. Listeners, if you don't know live through this org, go to that website. There are people you and people you know who need to know that website exists. And uh, it's it's one of those ways of sometimes believing that you can get through things when you're not so sure that you can. It's a way of knowing you are not alone when you're in really dark moments. And sometimes dark moments last a really long time. And sometimes the lives end because of dark moments. Live Through This yeah. Network is, is about helping people who have attempted suicide and survived uh, tell their stories to let others know that that it's possible and that for many, not only, it's not just about surviving, it's about getting to life in ways that, that you are so glad that you are still alive. I remember yeah. walking into an office supply store. This is not lived through this, but it's a it's that kind of story. An office supply store in downtown Lawrence, Kansas. And I, for a very long time, was the director of the 24-hour counseling center here. And I'd been in this office supply store. I like I like to buy local. So I'd been in this office <laughs> supply store, you know, off and on, you know, through the years. And this one particular day, for whatever reason, the the man who uh, came to the counter to ring up the purchase said, you work at that center, right? And I said, yeah, I do. And he said, I want to thank you. I want to thank you and everybody who's ever worked there because I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't talked to somebody and I wouldn't have seen my kids get married and I wouldn't have ever met my grandkids. And he just mm-hmm. you know went on to talk about how he's so happy he made it through that time and he made it through that time, as as I would say, in part, with a little help from his friends, you know, and, and that, yeah, that's what LiveThroughThis.org does, you know, it, it lets people know, yeah, some of us make it, and, and sadly, there are also two portraits on LiveThroughThis.org, who are people who have subsequently died of suicide, but that means there are hundreds of others who have it, you know, yeah. and that's important, both are yeah. important, yeah, yeah, yesterday, Ooh. yeah, Yesterday, a friend of mine um, put up a post on Facebook that was um, that was uh, suspicious, and I I got a hold of him, and he wouldn't answer me at first. And I I told him that if he didn't answer me, I knew where he was, and I was going to call the police. He's out of town, so I called the police and have his phone pinged. And I I told him that they had the technology to tell where his phone was, even if it was shut off. I don't know if that was true or not, but he believed me, and. Um, I, he finally got got a hold of me, and I asked him if he was going to kill himself today, um, just point blank, because it's nothing to be afraid of. You can ask that question, yeah. and um, and he said no. 
And so I got a hold of him this morning and asked him that question. And he said, no. And I said, are you lying to me? And he said, no, I, I don't think I am. I'm just really sad. And I, I told him, well, you can be really sad, but if, if, yeah. you, if, you, if you can kill yourself today, call me first and let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, because you don't have to be afraid to ask those questions there. I mean, if you were, if you had, if he had the flu, you could ask someone, do you have a fever? You know, mm-hmm. um, are you going to throw up? Um, and, and mental, <laughs> well, and mental illness is no different. You can ask someone, are you going to kill yourself? I mean, don't yeah. be afraid of those questions. Yep. Um, because wanting to kill yourself is just like wanting to throw up. I mean, it's, it's, it's mental illness. It's not physical illness, but it's just an illness. And yeah. you, you can be upfront and frank about those questions. And yeah. if more people would be upfront and frank about those questions, then we'd have less people um, die. throwing up their brains, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's just being a matter of being educated and being brave to confront those issues. Yep. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, all of us have hard, hard times. Some of us have worse times. Some of us have times that are beyond what somebody else can imagine. And when we start those conversations to check in on somebody, to me, I, I often remind those people who think it's going to be difficult to ask that it's way less difficult to hear the answer to that question than it is to live with those thoughts and emotions, you know? That, mm-hmm. that that person is the one we need to focus, not on our own awkwardness about, is it okay to ask? Ask. Yeah. Ask like you want to hear the answer, though. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's yeah. way less difficult to ask than it is to attend the funeral. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, that's that's a harsh thing to say, but but it is. And yeah. it's, it, it, yeah. Yeah. It's, so... Folks, you may be going, oh, man, bummer podcast. But the truth is, this is this is part of life and love. And, you know, so mm-hmm. there you go. Love each other more and show that. And you know what? That makes a big difference. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, did you hear about those new pillows that they're making out? Um, they're made of corduroy. No. <laughs> I would have thought so because they're making headlines. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, topic switch. to side light in the mood. <laughs> Great. They're making headlines. <laughs> but I'm bummed. Sorry. <laughs> That's great. And I love laughter. So there you go, folks. So to bring it back to a different serious mode, tell us some about your writing journey. I mean, you and I connected because of your performance and page poetry. And so tell us some about you and poetry. Um, poetry happened, um, majorly when I caught epilepsy, um, people are thinking you can't catch epilepsy, but you can if you're in a car wreck. Um, I was uh, a passenger in a car ride to work on October 10th of 2004 and, um, got T-boned on the passenger side when somebody thought that they could make uh, make it across the street in a winter, an early winter snowstorm, fall snowstorm, I suppose. And um, I didn't have any adverse side effects to that car wreck that day. But um, the next day I had a grand mal seizure and it was the first one I had. Um, and prior to that, I was a freelance uh, journalist. I had been writing for several different magazines and newspapers for almost 20 years. At that time, I was the youngest um, reporter for the Fremont Tribune in Fremont, Nebraska, starting uh, as a paid columnist when I was 15 years old. Wow. Uh, I know. And um, then I just moved on to other magazines and and built my my foundation of different magazines that would buy my pieces and hire me. And I worked worked as a columnist for a few and then just sold stuff as a, for a few and that sort of thing. And I, I had a foundation of about um, 13 or 14 different magazines by the time that I quit. Um, because once I started having seizures, writing journalism just didn't appeal to me anymore. And I had written poetry before then, but it sucked. Um, <laughs> it, it did. It really, truly sucked. Um, it, it, it just didn't have any structure and it always hard rhymed really badly. And, um, it just was really bad and bless my grandmother's heart. She, she kept my poetry and she kept it on the bulletin board and it was 
layers over layers of really bad poetry. And I love her for keeping it, but it was really bad. Um, and after I started getting seizures, I, I, the writing changed. Um, and it, it was different for, for some reason. I don't, I don't know if some of the nerves got jumbled. Well, I'm sure they did, but I don't know how they got jumbled, but it just was better. And I learned other things too, like, you know, I had to paint and, and I solved problems differently and just subtle things and some major things started to change. But, um, I went to a, uh, uh, craft show, I'm ashamed to say, at the Quest Center. It's not the Quest Center anymore, but the Quest Center in Omaha. And I had a really hard seizure, and people walked around me, stepped over me, ignored me, that sort of thing, and left me writhing on the floor. Um, not even security guards would, would help. And I was humiliated, embarrassed, mortified, frightened, um, and I developed this huge fear of crowds. And... Uh, to challenge me to get over my fear of crowds, uh, friends bet me to enter a poetry slam, and uh, they did it in such a way that it pissed me off, and <laughs> so so I did it. Um, and because you know you, the best way to get me to do something is to tell me not to, so um, they they told me that they they bet that I was too scared to do it, so of course I did it, and I was so frightened that I was very bad. And I came in like last or second to last or something like that. And so I did it again and I got a little better. I didn't get it a little better. And by the time I was done at the end of the season, I was city champ that year. And um, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I didn't expect it at all. But uh -huh. um, then we went to nationals the next year and um, Denver, the Denver team compared us, compared competing against us to like it, clubbing baby seals. Um, it was so easy to beat us. <laughs> oh. And then the next year after that, um, we came in 12th in the nation and um, Denver became the baby seals. Um, and ever since then, my my writing style has just become stronger and stronger. And um, so if it wasn't for epilepsy and a seizure in a giant arena and um, gentle friends, telling me that I couldn't do something, um, I, I wouldn't have developed my, my skill. Um, and so I, I, you know, I mean, epilepsy is a nasty roommate, but very generous. Um, and, uh, I don't think I would have, you know, turned down the opportunity to experience it again because, um, having that, having that condition and learning how to do what I do has just given me so many different opportunities. I've been able to travel the United States. I've been able to write books and um, stick conferences and meet so many different beautiful people um, just because I learned how to write poetry um, and, and help folks and just, just all sorts of weird stuff that you didn't think that having a few seizures would, well, more than a few, but having some seizures would give you. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, as I've become an older adult, the side effects of the epilepsy are becoming a little scary, but um, I'm still grateful for the writing. And, and that's how it, and that's how it came to be. <laughs> it's the rest wow. of the story. Wow. So, you know, um, so I'll do it as long as I can. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, and then just give the whole pile of crap to my goddaughter, and she can read it and do with it what she wants to. Uh huh. Is she a storyteller? I can't imagine mm -hmm. that she's not. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Our first. Um, I, I write about her often, and the first story she told me was about heaven and how it was blue, and and what was in heaven. Um, ah. And. Uh, she told me that I had to wait because I couldn't see it until I was dead. But okay. but it was okay because heaven was blue and it was big, and I wouldn't remember anybody's names when I got there. But interesting. Yeah. She That's tells me else. I learned so much from her. Yeah. <laughs> and my sense is you've been a part of her life throughout her whole life. Is that true? Yeah. Like yeah. She. Uh, started taking care of her when she was just about a month and a half old. Wow. Um, and then it was every every day um, until she was wow. four. And then she started going to preschool. And she is six now. Wow. 
She's That's the wisest, cool. wisest person that I know. Uh-huh. That's cool. That's cool. Okay, and I have to ask you about, since you mentioned craft as the unfortunate place or in some sense the serendipitous place because the things that happen for for you to uh, work into poetry. So what about these room-sized Afghans? <laughs> Um, how, how, how do you remember those? <laughs> I make, um, <laughs> weighted, weighted blankets. Um, and I forget that with weighted blankets, um, I crochet them because if you sew them, um, you have to add, uh, like like metal metal marbles or um, some sort of weighted material in the layers, and it's a little more expensive than if you just crochet them. Because when you crochet them, you use multi strands of yarn, and that makes them heavier. But yarn stretches, and I often forget that. So <laughs> so when they start out with what would normally be with like one strand or two strands of yarn, a uh, six foot blanket, I end up with a twelve foot blanket, and I forget that. <laughs> until it becomes, you know, two or three feet long. And then I have to go, oh, I have a 12-foot blanket. So you can either decide to accept my 12-foot blanket or I can undo it. Um, Never. (laughs) And um, one person decided to accept my 12-foot blanket, and Uh it was quite a project. So, (laughs) yeah. The student thinks big. <laughs> I I am currently making a weighted blanket right now, and it is appropriately six feet long. <laughs> <laughs> and scarves that go for miles—that's part of your. Uh, that was on. That was on purpose. Uh, yeah, that was on purpose. And I I make things out of plarn a lot right now. Out of what? Um, plarn, plastic yarn. I thought you said out of porn. This is like, oh, okay. No, 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 um, no. Plarn, P-L-A-R-N, plarn, plastic yarn. It's um strips of recycled grocery bags. Nice. Yeah. I think for a word save lives, you brought a bag that you created that was from that material, and Topher mm-hmm. might have ended up with it. Yeah. 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 I do. Um, uh, computer cases, briefcases. Um, uh, I met a lady who made a dress out of one. Um, it was really beautiful. Uh-huh. Um, koozies for for soda cans. I mean, all sorts of stuff. I when I when I got when I grabbed my bottle, um, my water bottle, which has a holder so it can fit over my walker because sometimes I need a walker, um, and grabbed my computer case and put my pencils in my pencil bag and realized they were all made of the same plarn material, I realized I had an issue. (laughs) The love of plarn has gone a bit too far. That's what you were thinking, huh? (laughs) Well, it's a, it's a renewable resource. And, uh, I mean, when when I catch myself hobbling across the street to find some floating bag in the air so I can (laughs) recycle it, I mean, it's 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 nice for the environment sort of thing, but yeah, I'm a little bit um, eccentric about plastic bags. Um, <laughs> the colors that I couldn't get for Christmas, people bought online for me. <laughs> yeah, the colors that were needed came to you. That's very good. They did. Yeah, they did. That and flamingos. Um, it's I made a small flamingo po- story. Yeah. <laughs> I made a small post about the three flamingos that were outside my house. Just the fact that there were three flamingos outside my house. Um, I'm I'm moving now, and um, the owner of the house and I are splitting custody of the mass of flamingos that have come to the house. Um, people would buy me flamingos anonymously and identifiably. Um, we have such a herd of flamingos that the neighbors asked if we had a permit. Um, <laughs> People would come to the house and ask if they could have their picture taken with the flamingos. Mm-hmm. Um, this just started from three, and and we have such a freaking herd of flamingos. I mean, it was, yeah. Um, unfortunately, um, 
I was getting anonymous flamingos and um every 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 like month and a half or every like three weeks uh, depending upon the the what i don't know it was just intermittent between three weeks and every three to six weeks or so i would get flamingos in the mail and it would be um uh an article about flamingos and an unusual habitat there's some place um in the south uh, south in the southern hemisphere, where it's so acidic that only a specific breed of flamingos can go there. Um, I would get a uh, stuffed flamingo, and I would get um, a little Lego set of flamingos. All these little flamingo flamingo tre- uh, trinkets, and um, then they stopped coming. And one time it would be in masculine block printing, and the other time it would be in feminine printing, the address and that sort of thing. And uh, I realized that they stopped coming because one of my good friends and his wife um, died together in a car accident. And I realized that um, they were the ones that were sending me the flamingos. Um, so I cherish those flamingos. Yeah. But uh, but uh, it's, it's hard to learn that your flamingo benefactors were identifiable by accident. Yeah. But... But uh, yeah, I got got flamingos in the mail from, and I get I have this wonderful flamingo brooch, and I'm gonna be the 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 person that that's gonna get flamingos for the rest of their freaking life because people don't want to have to concentrate on what to get me for Christmas. Um, so so yeah, I have flamingo notebooks, I have stuffed flamingos, I have flamingos up the ying ying, and I'm not sure what a ying ying is, what body part <laughs> it specifically refers to, but I'm sure there's a flamingo there. It sounds rather overwhelming to me, though, this collection of flamingos that keeps growing. <laughs> they don't eat much. <laughs> good point. Good point. They so don't are they eat much. going to settle into your new residence? Half of them will be, yeah. Huh? Yeah, because mm-hmm. half of them prefer to stay with the other custodial parent that's right. here at the house. And, yeah, so I'll, I'll take about 20 flamingos with me and, um, and of course, my my uh anonymous flamingo collection as well but yes of course yeah uh-huh. and these flamingos will be back in the back uh garden in the so hopefully nobody will see them and they won't grow <laughs> and then people were starting to threaten my flamingos and that's why what? i took them i would get personal private messages and messages on my facebook saying what they were going to do to flam- my flamingos come oh. halloween time how they're going to turn them into vultures and turkeys and then i started oh. to get halloween flamingos too so i actually do have vulture flamingos um <laughs> it was it was quite the ordeal <laughs> so have have flamingos been part of your writing since they've become part of your family <laughs> Hades, no. <laughs> no. I'm not going to encourage this. No. I would actually like to get a pen for Christmas or something, you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm, this week I had the opportunity to talk with Robert Hansen, who is the person behind the little books called Poems for All. I don't know if you're familiar with those, but they're... they're um, most of them are the size of a business card folded in half, and Robert designed. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. Okay, so so th- there is that part of my brain that's percolating on what fun it would be for Robert to to have the flamingo cover for a poem. Just saying. <laughs> we'll see. No rush. <laughs> <laughs> probably come up with something (laughs) they're really quite interesting creatures they're really pretty cool i've learned an awful lot about them in the last year that's for sure (laughs) it's nice to know your family sometimes (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) actually oh i am delighting in this conversation and I also would feel remiss if I didn't prompt. So it is national poetry month still in this U S of a um, U S part U part. I don't know about so much and not so united, but anyway, um, (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if that could be the intro to you reading some of your work. 
Uh, okay. <laughs> Let me see if I can. I just happen to have a book in my lap. Hmm. Oh, pregnant pause, dead air. That's okay. Everybody can regroup. You can breathe in and breathe out. <laughs> <laughs> I have to have very simple breathing exercises and breathing meditation. So I found one that's based on four. You breathe in through your nose and to the count of four. You hold it for the count of four. You breathe out through your nose to the count of four. And then you hold that empty for the count of four. So because it's four fours, that part's easy to remember. And oh. truly being able to slow down sometimes, that is a nice thing to do. Um, it's not obtrusive. You know, you could be sitting in the waiting room of your dental appointment <laughs> for your dental appointment. Nobody's mm -hmm. going to know you're doing anything unusual, but if you have anything in common with me about dentists, then anything that helps lower the anxiety is a good thing. <laughs> I thought you said it was a breathing exercise based on Thor and Thor, like the god Thor. Ah, Thor, as opposed to the number four, yeah. Yeah. Um, that would be very interesting. I couldn't, uh, couldn't come down last fall because I was getting a, uh, getting a diagnosis. Um, mm -hmm. I told you that I was ill and, yeah. um, uh, losing my hearing is part of that diagnosis. And when I hold the phone in the crook of my shoulder, I don't, I use hearing aids now and mm -hmm. I don't, uh, I don't hear quite, quite like I should. So, um, numerals become gods to me. <laughs> uh, this one is called hatred. They made me. Their names, my parents, were agony and despair. Now I'm just sitting here upon this rocking chair thinking about my name, how old it is. Three days younger than I, I am tired. Aged over thousands of years and born just Friday last, I am weary. My bones, my bones have twisted into so many faces, been so many places. This here rocker is just a stop. A swaying pendulum, half supine, that moves forth and back to track the times my name has been called. I have been enthralled by ladies calling me, drunk on peach tea, watching strange fruit hang in their orchards. My name has been whispered by holy men as synonym for glory, goring bodies in righteousness. Souls who never knew my name couldn't call it out in death. I have held my breath in anticipation. Brother brandishing, brother relations and nations ending each other in my name. I have garnered much fame, them calling out to me, gotten to hear, see so many empty souls filled with me, little children sitting in the grass on a schoolyard, and hard but gentle men slyly singing me into their allies' ears, ears turned into jokes, punchlines woven to the letters of my name, the stuff of joy. But I am here so bone-weary and tired. You celebrate my name, stringing boys up on barbed wire, setting different skins on fire, bearing crosses that needn't be yours, banging bullet holes in bodies, housing different genders, rendering menace vessels for sating need and men to accomplish greed. You could be so filled with peace if you would just cease me. Don't. Let my name slide wet desire from your lips. Let wantonness curve from cleft to hips. But don't beseech me weakly. My name, borne by my parents, rests firm within these bones. Ancient, cold, my name, broken at Babel's tower, changes and stays the same. Jesus, Hitler, Allah, clan, straight, queer, ignorance, fear, dear children, be quiet. Listen, let my bones whisper here. My name is Hatred. Despair and agony did not mean for me purgatory. My parents had better intentions for my bones. Fed me with guilt and lust, strong for the job that I must do. I beg of you, children, allow me to do it. My name is three days younger than I. I am so bone-weary and tired. I need the strength of your blood still to fill my veins, your anger and pains to rebuild my bones. This is my destiny. Unless you kill me, do. Wow. And that is your poem, Hatred, from your book of what name? 
keeping alive our dead. It was uh, released this last winter. It, it's a topic, the topic of loss and loved ones and keeping alive the memories, those people in their lives, not just how they did, is something very special to me. And, and so interesting timing for that book. Um, my friend Wolfgang Karstens, who's the poet and the publisher of from Epic Rights Press up in Alberta, Canada, released a book called Perpetual Pallbearer um, around the same time. And, and Wolfgang wrote about people, some very close to him, some people, musicians, for example, that he had followed in and really related to for a very long time, and some public figures who had done horrible things and were, were killed for those horrible things, a combination of things. Mm-hmm. But but Wolf is very conscious of of seeing that ongoing caring of those loved ones, the lost ones, the 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 ones who've died who are very important to him. And and I I appreciate that. And so here you have just shared this poem from the collection. Again, keeping alive our dead, Wolfgang Perpetual Pallbearer, Taylor Molly. Um, released a chapbook related to his experiences, his thoughts, his feelings after the suicide death of his first wife. That that book is called The Wetting Stone. I say it as hoping that W-H-E-T-T-I-N-G, mm-hmm. uh, although it sounds much like marriage wedding, it's the, the wetting stone um, with that dual meaning of, you know, the knife sharpening as well as the marriage and and so many people and and i i value that for some people who don't know if they're doing their grieving the right way sometimes they're they're going to be able to pick up books of poetry that help them know that they're they're not alone you know that's part of what art does and that's wonderful to me and art for social justice, man, I am all about that. I think that, that is, that, you know, that's this yeah. whole national thing. I, I've probably talked to you about it before. I've talked about it on the show before. This, this citizen's movement called the U.S. Department of Arts and Culture, which is all about using art um, to build connection, um, to, to try to work against barriers, to work against hatred. Um, it's, a, it's an amazing very amazing group project that's that's about valuing people. Imagine that. It is and I think everyone um, everyone can contribute because everyone people say I can't. I'm not creative. I can't do anything. Oh, that's crap. I mean, you can. I mean, and everyone can produce beautiful stuff. They just need to be encouraged, and it needs to be found within them. And we need to know that that the beauty that we that any one of us creates is not about is it as good as somebody else's exactly i was talking to somebody recently who's one of the things that that she creates is amazing to me tie-dyed fabric um, which can be used however a purchaser would want to use it and also this person makes these amazing to me cowboy style shirts, cowgirl style, whatever we want to call them. Cowperson style sounds a little weird, but but with snaps and with piping and with the yokes and you know putting different fabrics together and, and so this amazing stuff. And this person was saying, but this other person's tie-dye is so much more beautiful than mine. You know, it's like Mm-mm. well, um you you that doesn't diminish yours, I hope, you know, because what you're doing is very, very beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. When I go into a reading or something like that, um, and I listen to someone else read, um, I often leave with the feeling, man, I really wish I could write like them. Uh-huh. Um, even though somebody else says, I really wish I could write like you. <laughs> like, <Yeah. really? laughs> do you, do you really have that reaction still? You wish you could write like somebody else? 
Oh my, yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, you mentioned Shane Quaison earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of my heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Aid Mabry, um, and even Topher. Um, Topher is, is one of my heroes. I mean, the man, like, colleges, he, he, he's, he's a commercial for a college for, for goodness sake. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> for the Who University does that? of Kansas. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come yeah. on. Know that Annette Billings did a, a different year for KU. Yeah. So Annette Billings is also a voice of Kansas. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and she's she makes she makes Peaches sexy. I mean, yes, she does. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have no affinity for enhancing fruit, and I, that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I know you were one who who talked to me at one point about the distinction between stage poetry and page poetry. Mm-hmm. You know, that that some, I mean, Annette is absolutely a performance poet who is enthralling, and her words are also beautiful on the page. But man, once you've heard her read that poem, Peaches. That will stay with you, and I will put a link because there is a video of her reading. Some people, some people, or some particular works of theirs, for, are difficult for me to absorb when I just when I hear them read. There's so much, even the poem "Hatred" that you read. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you as you're doing it, and I'm thinking I want to have it in front of me and be able to read it slowly and and make more meaning the the excuse me the reading part allows me to get an additional dimension you know I, i i love hearing people read their work and then having it and and as i'm reading the words on the page my memory of that person's voice comes through yeah it's really a wonderful duality of experience in person or at least by audio as well as having my own copy of things so yeah i I encourage people you know seriously for people to buy books and when they can buy it from the writer at a reading you know or buy it from the small press or buy it from your local independent bookseller Um, yeah we need those those are places that special things happen even and, you know, it's not like Amazon is hosting poetry readings in every community where people have bought those books. So think about that, listeners. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I I met Annette almost 20 years ago. Wow. Um, when she came to my independent bookstore. Um, I was running it with another person, and she did a play, um, a one-person play called Neighbors. And I didn't know that she was a poet. I thought she was a playwright, and then found out that she was a poet in addition to being a playwright. Um, yeah. At that time, she was working as a nurse, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 And a mom. And uh, uh, Yeah. So, yeah, now she is a writer and, and a grandma. So Full-time poet, yes. Raising grants, mm-hmm. yep. She's wonderful. And she she is definitely somebody who people who want some hints about how to read publicly. Uh, she would definitely be one of those people in our area that, that you could learn from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Warms my heart just thinking of Annette. Yes. <laughs> so during National Poetry Month, it's, are there, do you, you're immersed with poetry all the time, but do you, do you do anything different? Do you read any more poems? Do you, is there anything specific for you about poetry month? Um, this year has been a shambles. I, I started the 3030 and I will probably finish the 3030, but it, instead of May Pummel, it's going to be May Pummel, um, because I'll probably finish it in May. Um, my, I've, I have, I was diagnosed with um, uh, for uh, for uh, for SDA's disease. Um, it's also known as DISH, um, which is um, diffuse idiopathic skeletal hypertosis, um, and it 
it's Tin Man's disease. It, it um, calcifies your spine and then soft tissue as it goes out. It's an osteoarthritic um, condition that um, sl slowly solidifies you from the center outward. And um, it's, it's causing me to be deaf. And um, I also produce kidney stones like hens lay eggs. Um, and um, so I've, I'm twice as deaf now as I was last year. And, um, um, and I'm not sure that I'm going to go with cochlears. So I'm doing my, my best to learn, um, sign and integrate with the deaf community and that sort of thing so that I can communicate. I, I can, I still, um, have a word distortion and, um, higher pitch de uh, deficiencies, um, without the AIDS. And, um, so this, this month has been cramming in as much sign as possible mm -hmm. um and so i've been i've been i've been learning been learning a whole new language <laughs> this uh -huh. month um so it's been that, that it's just been an interesting experience so i've been writing some poetry and getting ready to move and that sort of thing but um But no, <laughs> other than that, not no, not really. I did I did receive um, an old poetry friend's book. Um, uh, Sam Ecker, um, he he uh, sent me a book whose name I will not mention because he is a uh, pseudonym writer and um, he'd like to keep that private. Um, but but his his book is more like a not. It's it's one entirely. It's one poem. Kind of like the Odyssey or the Iliad or something like that. It's this huge, super thick book. It's all one oh. poem, um, and it is, oh my God, it is funnier than crap. Um, <laughs> and it's a it's a very good read, and uh, it, it's it's so good, and it's so long, and it's just one poem, um, and it's 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 something that I yeah I can't. I wish I could mention the title, but I couldn't. So I read that, um, and then. Uh, um, I, I've, I've written and I've written some things that I couldn't put out in public and I've written some things that I can. Um, <laughs> I am also a pseudonym writer and uh, I publish some things under pseudonym that I will, a pseudonym I will never ever mention out loud. Um, okay. and, uh, and, and those things pay, pay quite generously sometimes. Um, and uh, so those, those things I keep up with because there's a demand, but you know, poets don't get famous unless they're, you know, dead or, or Maya Angela, who's actually also passed. So that's a bad example. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, um, I, I, I've been working with, um, uh, human rights and uh, relations individual up here, Dr. Franklin Thompson, and he is um, promoting a city youth, art, city youth arts program um, with the schools up in Omaha. And his um, project is getting uh, middle school kids interested in poetry. So he is um, promoting that in the schools in spring and um, there's a summer project that's going to be going on, and part of it is um, with Inclusive Life, which is a, a non-denominational um, outreach center. And in July, it's going to be Poetry, Peace, and Picnic in the Park, um, where a couple of um, spoken word poets will be performing. Um, I'm one of them. Um, and that got that got started in April. Um, the organization of that got started in April. And, um, so we'll be welcoming anyone and we're going to heavily publicize it. So any youngster, um, homeless person, uh, middle-aged housewife, anyone can come to this event in the park and we have, um, space for a, like a two hour open mic. Um, it's going to be at Hitchcock park. Um, I think on uh, uh, July 21st, I think. Um, and so that's, that's something to get um, the kids in, in this city youth program, but also just everybody in Omaha that, that doesn't think or feel they have a voice to be heard. Um, so that's another thing. Um, and then in August, when school starts back up again, it's another focus on the city youth program. And then in September, I think I'm going to be in Lawrence. So 
That's that's yeah. the next three months, but Perhaps but um, September tenth for Words Save Lives is that the hint? Yeah, I think that's the date. Awesome. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's what that's what I've been doing in April. It's just some light planning and stuff, but most of it's been preparing for for um, for for not hearing. <laughs> but uh, uh-huh. I started the first half of the month writing poetry, and I, I did read his book. So I guess if anything counts, that counts a little bit. But yeah, it does. I've been a bad poet this year. Well, you have had life to take. <laughs> That's no excuse. No excuse. <laughs> but um, would you like to share another of your poem before our hour is over? Um, sure. Do you want a short one or a long one? I would like you to choose. I'm happy uh, for long ones because they last longer. But if you have a short one, you want to do both. That is welcome as well. Okay, this this book is a hard read. So if you want to go on Amazon and purchase something light and frivolous and fun, don't buy my book. But if um, you want to buy the book, go to Amazon, get the details, then go to your independent bookseller and say, please order this book for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also uh, wrote my first children's book um mm-hmm. for my goddaughter this year from the very first day and that is very cute it's um self-illustrated and it's not it's not garbage um i did collage for the entire thing and um oh, wow. uh, it was uh, the uh, lullaby that i wrote for her when she was just a little baby uh-huh. and when i i actually published it last year um like a whole calendar year ago um and gave it to her for christmas but she um and she opened it and every human illustration of joy played on her face um and then she said she couldn't take it home because it was too special um and she didn't want to share the special so i kept it for a year and then i released it um this year so so i had um, your average Dr. Phil two-week-long miniseries um, childhood, and <laughs> <laughs> I did. And um, my mom used to go. I mean, she was she was she did the best she could. She was mentally ill, and the more she aged, the more mentally ill she became. And um, she ended up taking her life when she was fifty-two. Mm. Um, and this was an experience that I had as a child with her. Um, so one of them anyway. Um, and this is the first poem in the book. So if it, I'll give you a clue of how the book goes. I was not a beautiful baby, they said. Born two years old at birth, I was as long as my girth. I was interesting looking. They said I was not beautiful. My mother was in denial, sending headshots, entering trials for the next year's child superstar. I was so far from having my face on the outside of those labels, but she persisted, insisted I conform, change, sculpt, become normal, beautiful. It was good only to eat carrot sticks when you were three. I would be just like Bugs Bunny. Funny, I never noticed Bugs and Mommy counting calories like Mama did for me. With Grandma slipping in a meal from time to time, sometimes more, I then tip the scale. Five years old and 38. Pounds had to leave. Unofficially, the youngest at the meetings. Back then, little ones didn't have doves holding olive branches of public educational self-esteem. When a mother's funhouse mere perception deemed her child not good enough, it wasn't. Point of information, 38 pounds is a perfect average weight for a five-year-old. Cosmo read the two-story headlines on how to get down by coming down and titillate your lover with the fullness of your lips and the points of your hips drove every 12-year-old girl insane. It was plain to me I wasn't a girl, but even I had a plan to sculpt my hips into the model's life, even if I had to do it with a carving knife. I had to make Mama love me, I mean happy. Those intentions inscribed on a blade so sharp it doesn't hurt anymore when it cuts. All the butts are perfect on the insides are true. I know I am more than what I look like. I know I am all of what I do. But no one could see how smart I was. They were avoiding looking at me in the first place. It's not PC to put that truth to lips, but since it was years since I'd even felt my hips, this was my truth, and the problem wasn't political, but it definitely was about sight. My own. 
My grandmother asked me once if she made me fat. I told her no. That was 119 last pounds ago. All the time I felt like I lied. But now that I am less of me, even in my hunger for truth, I understand I felt fed the blame to everyone but me. Hormones, my mama, heredity, identity. This may have started out as someone else's struggle, but it ended up mine. I own it. As I hold it down, hone it into the me I want to be, I know. Not how I look, but never mattered. I just couldn't see me. Wow. And that is a story that many can relate to. That's mm-hmm. hard. So tragic, yeah. My mother was was pregnant with my half sister. She didn't tell anybody at Weight Watchers that she was pregnant. And then when she gave birth to my half sister, they congratulated her on her weight loss. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. I had a had a lot of uh, I have a lot of things to uh, draw from <laughs> when I write, but. Yeah. But I, I do want to read one more, and this is kind of cool. Okay. Um, uh, this is about my grandfather's pickup truck. And uh, when my grandmother decided to sell the farm and uh, move into assisted living, um, they, I'm telling you the ending first, um, she had an auction, and all the men respected my grandfather so much. I mean, he was a, he was a butt, but he was a respectable man as well. And, <laughs> and they... Um, they kept bidding and bidding and bidding until the uh, original price was met, uh, what he paid for it, until the original price was met on the auction, if that makes any sense. Um, so what he paid for it was actually remade by the auction bid, and then they took the truck and they donated it to the firehouse. Um, so this is, uh, this is about that, that truck. Uh-huh. 18,000 miles run, one spent for each dollar. Red silver, two tons of American mostly made steel it sat when he died. Guarding over pegboards, squared pencils, penny nail cap cups, and ball-peen hammers, it lustered, dull from missing him. But she would visit from time to time, polish chrome, sit inside, armor all to hide. Listen to his radio, smell him slowly fade when she missed him too much. When it got too hard, auctioneer voices bell rang through crowds of neighbors, trampling through grass, a lifetime gone in dollars. It sat, waiting and on oiled asphalt, stretching in the sun, arching bed and bumper, tail wagging hitch for all the men come round to pat its hood. It listened to stories they told about him, remembering him, missing him since he'd been gone. Stopping them, the rapid sail talkers started coaxing bills from wallets and pushing seam cap hat bills up on heads as the bidding started. One by one, the men gathered around it as they outbid each other. The crowd passed them, pressed them higher and higher. The piles of dollars grew taller. It became still, anticipating. The neighbors were quiet, waiting. The gavel sounded, pounded down the final bid, 18000 One dollar for every mile spent. Wow. The, the image of a car and the connection with the person, I think, again, that resonates for a lot of, a lot of people. And certainly mm-hmm. I've, I've heard those stories after a loved one's death, you know, about how keeping something that has that smell, that, that has that really tangible, almost reminder, is important. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And, Thank and you. to find that, that kind of a loving piece, knowing from the previous poem and other reasons that, that childhood was, childhood was uh, not easy. Um, family was not always understanding and supportive, all that kind of stuff. And then to hear this loving poem, that's a gift to you and to others. So thank you. And yeah. we are at that time, actually a little overtime, which is still fine because it's National Poetry Month still today. It is April 30th. <laughs> and I am hoping that many people have enjoyed more poetry and will enjoy more poetry and art. And the thing that you talked about at the very beginning, that, that thing about connecting with other people, you know, that, that kindness and goodness and, and caring and openness, being, being one of those people who notices other people and smiles and asks, how are you doing really, you know? 
So much has happened in the conversation and the poetry. I, I just say thank you so much, C. And again, listeners, this is C. Thank you, too. You are very welcome. And, and thanks to Daniel Smith, who produces the show, so people can hear it. Listeners, I hope that we've given you lots to think about on this beautiful Poetry Month Day. Enjoy and keep enjoying. Yes. And so long, listeners.